Well, hello and welcome to the Darren Clarkson podcast. Oh, I've introduced this one. I introduced one for ages. You know, early introductions had me saying I'm a white water kayaker, principally based in the Himalayas, and these podcasts are going to be about white water adventures and all that sort of shenanigans. But we've had COVID, haven't we, for quite a while? Well, not personally had COVID, although you never know. We've had the pandemic. So I've not been to the Himalayas for quite some time. So I'm not going to talk about kayaking in the Himalayas. Because it makes me a little bit sad. It makes me sad that countries like Nepal and India that I've spent 20 years guiding in, that rely on the dollar of the tourist are not seeing people exploring makes me quite sad that there's a generation of outdoor guides that go to India, Nepal and explore the trails and explore the rivers in their gap years from uni before they get proper jobs. And that gives them like a foundation in exploration, really, no matter how basic that exploration might be. You know, if you can work out how to get yourself from Delhi to Rishikesh, and then Rishikesh to Manali, Manali to Leh, and then Leh back to Kathmandu. If you can work out how to do that with like a kayak and a load of gear on your first time in India, you can probably get a load of school kids on a PGL bus. So I think we're going to have a little bit of a skills drain in the outdoor sector. And like I say, it makes me sad that my friends my Nepalese friends and my Indian friends, my Bhutanese friends. It makes me sad that, you know, they're not getting to see tourism come through. They're going to struggle financially. And also not seeing advancements in technique or in product because there's nothing coming into the country. But we have to be safe, don't we? There's no point in rushing out to these places, especially in the height of the pandemic. I see people on social media paddling in around the world. I see people exploring, climbing, running, mountain biking in places. I see people promoting this as a, a good thing. And it's amazing to promote, you know, human endeavour and exploration and diving and SUPs. It's a brilliant thing. But we also have to understand how this echoes on into the communities that see these social media posts or read these magazine articles, watch television shows with explorers. And if they're trapped at home or they're unable to travel to countries due to red, amber or green, or perhaps they just don't feel able to travel until the world's a safer place. Perhaps seeing other people explore. Maybe it gives them comfort that people are still doing that. But maybe it gives them anxiety that they can't do that. And I think that's something that we need to consider. And I'm not saying it's a good thing and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's a consideration. Perhaps that's why I've stopped talking about trips that I've done in the past. And if you're still listening, you'll realise that the sound quality is yet again not up to par because I've stopped plugged in that microphone. 
but I'm okay with that. Over the last few days, I've managed to get hold of and late 1970s camping gas stove. Comes in a little, almost like biscuit tin box, which offers a built-in windshield. The price ticket is still on the stove to when it was new. And it's not in pounds, shillings and pence, it's just in pounds and pence. So I know that's later on than I thought it was. But it works perfectly fine. And the reason I've bought this stove, for those of you that care, I have got a bit of a stove fetish. And the reason I've bought this stove is because it instantly transported me back to my childhood. My dad had the same stove. And on camping trips with my brother and my friend, that my dad would take me on his school holidays, bank holidays, weekend trips. These stoves were like an integral part of my childhood. The blue C200 canisters, and I think they call the C200 canister, the, the stove pierces that you can't take off the stove and pack away lightly. The faint smell of leaking gas and the sort of jet engine noise when you when you light it. I remember, you know, the whistling kettle that sat on top all battered and dinted. But I bought myself one of these stoves. Now it's going to sit in the back of my car and I might use it uh, every now and then. And I use it for the nostalgia it brings and the slowing down of the adventure. Because when I was a kid, exploring Malham Cove or the Lake District, splashing around in little rivers, climbing trees, having egg sandwiches for breakfast. That was the height of adventure. We didn't need those international plane journeys. We didn't need to load up and go into the unknown, into the wider unknown. Because those campsites at Malham Cove or in the Lake District, they were our unknown. Those cold toilet blocks, the rain dripping down broken zips of the tent, the sleeping bags synthetic with cold metal zips, blankets as mattresses. These things sort of matter. The adventure matters more than the location. And I've thought long and hard about this. It's bank holiday weekend in North Wales. And flocks of people are driving north and south. Visiting Snowdonia, visiting the Brecon Beacons. Mid Wales there, obviously. People are visiting the Dales. People are visiting Dartmoor, the Lake District. The beautiful coastline of our country. And some people class themselves as experts in the arena. And they've got battered old gear that I've discussed before in such podcasts. And some people have got brand new gear. 
the best products they can afford that they've bought online. But they don't know how to use them. And some are using cheaper products or no products at all. They're just going out for a walk, for a swim, for a stroll. In clothes that they'd normally go to the shopping mall in or to the pub. And I hope they're finding some sort of peace, but also some sort of adventure in these surroundings that they're in. We know, and as I'm sure you do, listeners, and I say we as a collective, we know that we should have a leave no trace principle. But I also know that there's big swathes of the population that don't understand the leave no trace principle. They think it's okay to leave scorched grass where there's been a fire. They think it's okay to have a fire anyway. They think it's, for some reason, I don't know what the reason is, they think it's acceptable to walk up a mountain with their sandwiches and drink in their bag. And when they're at the top and have had their sandwich and drink, they think it's acceptable to leave that can and that crisp bucket next to the can. I think as a community of outdoor enthusiasts, we should promote the leave no trace principle and the leave only footprints and take only pictures ethos. And I'm not even a big fan of the leave only footprints. And I know that's unavoidable. But be careful where we tread. Walkways have been put into mountains and by the sides of rivers to stop erosion. And if we go off piste, as it were, we damage the subtle eco-structure of the environment. When we see that wildflower meadow damaged, those wildflowers dying and wilting, we know that the wildlife, perhaps the bee, that needs to pollinate ever onwards can no longer do so. That the bird population that dwindles and the hedgerows cut and the trash all around and the noise and the pollution. They also die off. And as a community, we need to promote all this. But there are places, there are places in our towns and our cities where nature thrives. And it thrives and it sort of struggles on to thrive because rivers are polluted there. But it does thrive. You know, it does thrive. Life will find a way. To quote a character from the League of Gentlemen. Life will find a way. But that's no excuse, is it? To throw that old beer can into the river. Or leave that discarded barbecue in the park or nature reserve. But we are blessed. And we're blessed with the nostalgia. Blessed with nostalgia, sorry. So I went off piste a bit there. Something caught me out the corner of my eye looking out the window. Something just caught my attention. But we are blessed with nostalgia. We're blessed in Britain with sort of Victorian nostalgia. I think when we look at Everest, for example, 
Although Everest, as we know, is a killer mountain, most people in Britain are able at some level to understand it. They're able to sort of understand that if you walk long enough and far enough and climb high enough, you could stand on the roof of the world. They may not understand the death zone. They may not understand the dollars it costs to get there and the training and the lives lost. They may not understand any of that. I think the population in Britain really struggle with other things of human conquest and endurance. I think they really struggle with things that are not as obvious as left foot, right foot. I think they struggle to understand kayaking first descents or surfing huge waves. I think it's much easier to understand Everest or a marathon run. It's easier to understand the Tour de France than it is necessarily to understand somebody that cycles around the world. And it intrigues me that as a country we are fascinated by games that are inbred in our culture some of which are team sports like football and rugby and some are solo like darts and snooker and our culture doesn't really foster that drive for adventure however local but it should and it does at the moment people do go out on adventure and that's a beautiful thing but as a as a country on a whole, I think it's really difficult to have discussions with people about why it matters. You can sit in any bus on any train in any pub, maybe even any cafe, and somebody will talk to you about football or rugby, rugby especially if you're up north. They won't necessarily tell you about who won the spine race or who was done the most Everest summits they won't tell you about those feats and I am just rattling but it's interesting how these things in popular culture are sort of juxtaposed to each other you know we, we, people want to go into the hills and have many adventures it seems anyway, it would seem definitely the case because I've just driven through Snowdonia today and the parking's horrendous people parking on WL lines on curbs on wildflowers, people parking and blocking gateways. But people that listen to my podcast, I think, and I'm pretty sure that you're all sensible enough and you don't do any of that stuff. But then people, perhaps we need to tell more people without coming across all sort of hyacinth bouquet on it. We need to make people aware of the damage they're doing. You know, but it's not a recent problem, is it? You can go to the cow and calf rocks in Yorkshire, and you'll have graffiti that's been chipped into that rock face a hundred years ago or more. The Romans, I'm sure, vandalised as the Vikings and Saxons did. They left their marks, and graffiti and vandalism seems to be a way to leave your mark. But I don't think that's the case when it comes to leaving your trash on a cairn. But I've gone off tangent a bit. Because this podcast was going to be about nostalgia and that stuff. And how it's okay not to go away and travel. How it's okay to adventure local. 
one thing I've been doing, whether I've been visiting family in the north of England in a cityscape, however I've been in Snowdonia, is I've been having little micro-adventures. I've been getting an OS map. For people that are like my age will know what a paper OS map is, and some people won't know. And a paper OS map is like full of adventures. Each OS map has got a lifetime of adventures in it. I think it was Al Humphreys that said that. But I've been looking at real OS maps. I've collected quite a few. And I've been planning adventures, reading the symbols, reading the gradient, looking at the watercourses and the fallow and the fields and the woodland. I'm going out with the OS map and finding my way around, whether it be a run or a stroll. Not using apps, using that method of string to measure my distance. Stopping for a brew. The other day when I was out, I found a load of guys on the colder air navigation with huge magnets taking metal out of the river. These guys were not employed by the council. They were just taking metal out of the river that they found and they were going to weigh it in. And I was, I was, Parry was really pleased with that. And this is where we, this podcast will go back into kayaking, really, looking after the environment. Because I was really pleased. These guys were doing something to earn money and keep the environment clean. And while I was chatting to them, they pulled out a street light, a good big metal street light, dragged onto the bank. Two mountain bikes, a BMX, two safes, and a hard drive. While I was chatting to him, and the guy has got, you know, steel toe cap boots and dirty jeans and dirty vests covered in river gunk. And their motivation for getting the metal out of the river was financial. But the byproduct of that was it made it a better place. You know, it made the environment better because they were cleaning up stuff that had been thrown in there. And as I walked past those guys and carried on my way at the time when I'd just measured my length tripping over an old marker post on my run and measured my length so bruised on my ribcage and I was like, as I was walking along I came to a handwritten sign nailed to a fence post with a sketch of a bird and a description of its call that sounded like you know the noise you make when you blow over a bottle yeah, it sort of described that noise and it was obviously the bittern. And I thought, how nice is this that somebody's taken the time to write a description of a bird and the noise it makes and do a little sketch and sort of staple it to this fence post so that people can identify it. How lovely is that? And I, I carried on, I limped back to my car, all battered and bruised. It's my own stupid fault, really, you know, going out to run a half marathon tripping over, like I say, measuring my length in the mud. But I landed on my, on my left side. My left side, I broke my ribs on my left side a good number of years ago when I paddled an anchorage slabs, and the lower rib sort of protrudes a little. So when I landed on it, it didn't have to take my breath away. But, you know, in these cityscapes, people are loving nature. In the national parks... People are finding mini adventures, and that's a great thing. And 
you know, for me, nostalgia. This podcast was going to be about nostalgia, but I just rattled on for 20 minutes. And just, I hope everyone looks after the environment. It's okay to not go abroad on massive adventures. It really is. It's okay not to push ourselves with flights and bus rides and train journeys and ferry rides. It's okay to not do all that. And I know it's hard and I know we miss it. But the important thing is that we go out and we do stuff. Thank you for listening. I hope I'm not just talking to myself. But if I am, then that's fine, isn't it? Yeah. Not got a couple on the go today. But I am watching the leaves and the tree blowing the breeze outside. And that's what's taking my attention away and why it's sort of gone off at tangency. But that's all right and I'm okay with that. Anyway, have a cracking bank holiday if you're listening to this on bank holiday. And if you're not listening to it on bank holiday, listen to it another day. Have a great day. Be safe. Find little micro adventures and try and smile. Speak to you again soon.